Welcome to Sex, Psychics and Psychedelics, Discovering Inner Liberation. My name is Banana Jane Garnett. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, a lover of freedom and a relentless explorer of the mind. Please come join me on my journey in hot pursuit of inner illumination and liberation. For more about me, you can find me at The Banana Jane on Instagram. Now let's dive in. My next guest is Jennifer Lapierre, a Harvard-educated psychic who brings intellect and reason to her, in my experience, very accurate readings. Jennifer is a practitioner of controlled remote viewing. She's a level three Reiki master and a member of findmegroup.org, using her skills to help find missing persons and resolve homicides. Today, we discuss the shadow side of psychic phenomena, Jennifer's relationship with death, the fascinating story of a murder she helped resolve, and how to raise your vibrations and cultivate your intuition without sugarcoating anything. Welcome, Jennifer. It's so good to see you. All right, my dear. So let's start with Harvard, because it's such a good conjunction with being a psychic. I always associate that with you. I'm I think of you as the, the Harvard psychic. My experience is you're extremely kind of grounded and on point for the psychic experience, which is often something more woo. dreamy. <laughs> yeah, more woo. Exactly. So can you tell me a bit about your journey? Yeah, sure. So I grew up in New England and I went to Boston University for my undergrad in uh, broadcasting and film. And then I was out in LA, came back to New England and went to Harvard for my master's in English literature, which big moneymaker there. I did the same thing. I went to Oxford University and did uh, English literature. literature. Yep. Oh, fabulous. (laughs) I did it because I liked it. And I thought, why not study something that you like? And I really didn't have a big goal in mind. So as I went on, most of my life, I was a C-level, you know, admin to like, you know, executives. That's what I did most of the time. And I was doing readings on the side at a place called the Tremont Tea Room, which is the oldest psychic salon in the country. Wow. Wait, where is that? In Boston. I need to go to that place. Sounds amazing. Is it still going? I think so. Yeah. It's been here for 139 or 140 years, I believe. So it's been around for a while. So I was working there on the weekends and I didn't want to tell my boss what I was up to. I just thought he would think it's weird because, you know, very scientific minded and in Harvard. I know that a lot of the professors, um, they run into trouble if they talk about being spiritual. Um, they get kind of blacklisted. So it's not a really accepted thing in academia to be like spiritual, much less boo-boo. Why is that? don't know because I think it, it's, it's down to empirical research and everything yeah. has to be proven and the existence of God and, uh, you know, psychic research. That's all, that's very esoteric. You can't prove it in the lab. Maybe someday, God, I hope so, but right now, no. Okay. But let me just chip in here because this is too interesting. I mean, it doesn't that also apply to literature? I think it applies to a lot of things. Yeah. Um, but no one's angry about literature. Like for some reason, if you say like, you know, God exists, 
people who are who are very left brain or agnostic even get very like touchy and up in arms and yes it's threatening you know, it causes fights. So anyway, I didn't want to tell my boss that I was a psychic talking to dead people on Saturdays. So um, I finally did tell him though. And it was interesting because his reaction was not at all what I was expecting. I don't know why I was so afraid to come out of the broom closet because he was actually fascinated by it and he wanted to learn more about it and how it works and I decided after I worked for him for a few years, he was awesome. I loved this guy to death, but it was time to go. Like I was just kind of done with executive assistant stuff. And I decided to move back to LA. I just tried to make a go of this. It took three years for me to go from quitting day jobs to... Hold on one second. I'm sorry. Is there a bird there? <laughs> I'm sorry. I have scary and um, he's singing right now so sorry about that can't really do much about him papers um no it's not gonna work uh let me see i can go i can go into another room and shut the door yeah 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 make yourself comfortable all right so let me go in there this is so luxurious back in bed (laughs) yay that's why i've been spending a lot of my time recently all right so you studied English literature at Harvard. You enjoyed it, but you didn't feel it had a direct application to anything useful in life. Was that, am I reading that right? Oh, was that just me? Nothing to make money. Nothing to make money. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, I mean, I'm single. I've, I didn't, I never wanted to have kids. So I didn't mm. really see the point of getting married. So being like an independent agent, mm. <laughs> You know, you don't have anyone to fall back on, no rich boyfriend and right. You, know, you gotta be like, you know, a little savvy, savvy when you're single yeah. and you're living on your own and you know, I mean, no trust fund here, nothing. Like there's yeah. no income. So yeah, literature wasn't exactly going to, you know, help me survive by any means. It doesn't just pay the bills, does it? No. no. It does not. Although I love reading and yeah. I kind of studied it because I'm a nerd at heart and yeah. I think you should study what you love. But yeah, Agreed. as far as like a living, unless you're gonna teach, probably yeah. a lot to do there. <laughs> so how did you find out that you had a psychic gift? Um, well, when I, the first time I remember anything out of the ordinary, uh, I was in first grade and I had this, I guess you could call it a vision. Mm. So it was of a man who who was sitting at a kitchen table. It looked like nighttime and he was with a little boy who was maybe eight or nine looking. The guy had a beard. I remember he had like dark brown wavy hair. Very, very detailed. And he was helping his son do homework. And I remember like blinking my eyes thinking, it would stop and it didn't. And then I was like, wow, what's this? So that was like the first time that happened. And I've had like many, many since then, when I was a kid, I was also very, very sensitive. And my, my family would kind of kid me about being like overly sensitive, Mm. but I think I was just picking up on a lot of stuff. Like if someone came into the room um, who was angry, but they were smiling, I would, I would yeah. see right through that bullshit. I knew right away, like, ooh, that guy is something yeah. up there. Why is he yeah. thinking it? Yeah. 
How did you understand that first image of the boy in the homework? I didn't know what it was. And, you know, when you're that little, I think I was like six or seven. Mm. You just kind of think like, oh, everybody must see this. Everybody must have movies playing in their head. Mm -hmm. So uh, it only made sense later. Like as they continued and I got older and I noticed like it didn't happen to other people when I would ask them about it. Right. Like now. (laughs) Okay, never mind. (laughs) We won't broach that topic, you know. So how did you go from feeling like it was a kind of weird, potentially not great thing about you, right? Because you had this sort of framing of oversensitivity. Mm -hmm. How did that evolve into the idea of, oh, I can actually do something with this. I have a gift. I can be helpful. Yeah, it was a long time coming, sister. Mm. The only time I thought like, oh, this is cool and it's not like a weird thing was when I think it was around uh, sophomore year of college, which would put me at, I don't know, 19-ish. Um, I started to be able to see auras around people. Wow. And I happened to have a boyfriend my sophomore year who knew a lot about this because he was gifted and his grandmother was a practicing witch. And so he taught me a lot about like the woo-woo stuff. And so then I started, you know, reading a lot more on it. And then, then, you know, from books, it all made sense. Did that feel like a homecoming to you? Was that a big deal? Um, no, cause it was really gradual, but it, right. was, it was more like, a, Ooh, this is cool. Cause when mm. I was a little kid, my favorite thing to do was, it sounds really geeky, I would like to go to the library and I would sneak up like the kids section was in the, on the ground floor and mm. the adult section was on the main first floor. And I would always like sneak upstairs and go into the stacks. And I think it's like the 800s section of the Dewey decimal system where all like the woo woo stuff is. And I would sit on the floor and read these books on UFOs and Bigfoot and psychic phenomenon wow. and the Bermuda Triangle and, and all that crazy stuff. Ghosts, that's one, another thing I love. And I would absorb that like a little sponge. You know, this was like probably when I was eight, nine years old, mm. supposed to be up in the adult section. That's so, that's so interesting. And do you feel that was related to what was going on at home or what you weren't getting? Or do you feel like it was more like an old soul thing? Well, you know, it's a good question. I never thought about it. My parents were um, Roman Catholic. Mm. So that whole ritual stuff in church, you know, the candles and the incense and the, you know, the changing of like the bread into the body of Christ, which is so creepy if you ask, like, that's just, or like drinking the blood of Christ, you know, I guess like that whole ritual weird stuff was already like in my DNA, but. um, But you weren't buying it. I mean, do you remember seeing it and having that feeling that you described like your bullshit meter was tweaking? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would never say that because I didn't want to make waves or hurt my parents' feelings because they were very devout, especially my mom. Yeah. And um, just for me personally, I remember when I was in second grade and I was in Catholic school. I mean, I can remember as clear as day reading about the difference between venal and moral sin. And according to Catholics, if if you commit a moral sin and don't go to confession before you die, you go right to hell. And I remember even at that early age in second grade thinking like, this is the craziest shit I've ever heard. Mm. Yeah. So you felt like a 
outsider when it came to the, the oh, very much. religion yeah. that you were presented with? Because my other, I mean, I had five sisters and none of them were, as far as I recall, like ever showed any interest in like woo stuff. So I didn't really yeah. have anybody to talk to. Did you make the mistake that I did of trying to force it on my family? Oh, no. In <laughs> fact, I didn't tell anyone that I was like into, you know, the Bermuda Triangle um, ghosts and, in, you know, Bigfoot and all those crazy topics. It was like my own private Idaho, you know, it was, like yeah. my, it was my thing. It was, was kind of like, bubble. Yeah. you know, I, I think I just had an innate knowing like this is something to not shout from the rooftops about, especially back yeah. there, which were, which was, that would be like the seventies. Mm hmm. That's, that's very wise of you. I, I wouldn't call myself a psychic, but I've definitely, as I described it once to my sister, when we were trying to sort something out between us, for me, the volume of the unsaid is very loud. So I have a very sort of sensitive bullshit meter or kind of attunement to shadow. And were you described as a child as overly sensitive? A hundred percent. I hate Absolutely. I mean, I sensitivity and I, I sometimes still battle with that because sometimes I still wish for that thicker skin because it's a lot to navigate sensitivity. And yet I also know that it's my gift. I'm just so interested that there's so little out there that supports it. The only kind of story I could get my hands on that I felt a tiny bit validated by was the princess and the pea. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, okay, in terms of the, the the worlds that I knew, that princess would be framed as a fuss pot. Mm-hmm. You know, she would be too fussy. Such a fuss pot. She was a fuss pot. She should have, you know, put on her coat and wellies and gone out there in the rain and just got on with it. And instead she was lying there on a pile of mattresses going like, oh, I can feel a pee. And that's sensitivity for you. But in that story... It's a sign of refinement. You know, she is a princess because she can feel the pee and being a princess in that story is a good thing. So, but yeah, there's so little support for sensitivity. Well, out there. she would have made a good psychic, but. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so having sensitivity, ultra sensitivity can be a pain in the ass. Because yes. you're just like kind of not normal. <laughs> but if you don't have that then you're not going to be able to be a psychic because you're just so in tune with everything and you pick up everything like a little sponge that you need that to be a psychic. So all the psychics I know would be described as like ultra sensitive and a lot of them kind of self-medicate with booze or drugs because it can, it can be a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for your candor on that. I would say the same for therapists, to be honest, and and healers in general. I mean, as I travel this sex, psychics and psychedelic terrain, I I wouldn't be surprised if I would find these (laughs) these themes cropping up all over the place. I mean, the the wounded healer thing is no joke. You don't you don't go into healing if you're not familiar with suffering. I just don't believe that, you know. One thing I want to tell people who are listening to this if you are a psychic you were, or you work in these fields of healing, be really careful. Like don't do a lot of drugs and don't drink a lot because I'll tell you why. When your vibration is low, like, you know, have a glass of wine, have two, but don't drink a bottle. Like, you know what I mean? 
because when your vibration is low, that's when like the negative entities are attracted to you and they can glom onto you and it can take a little while to like get them off Mm -hmm. and get rid of them. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so just be careful, you guys, like don't um, find other stuff to do to, if you need an outlet, you know, after you're done reading, like go punch the bag, go for a run, do something athletic Mm -hmm. or physical, but don't just like, you know, drink yourself into oblivion or just smoke a ton of weed because it's just not good. It's not good for you. It's not good for your clients. So yeah, no, no, no. I I think, you know, what's interesting about what you said to me, and I, apart from the solid good advice, which I know that you have in spades is this idea of being kind of protected or um, susceptible according to where your vibration is. And I actually Mm -hmm. remember a psychic saying this to me once that your best medicine or self protection is going to be not in offering endless empathy, but actually in keeping your own vibration consistently high. I guess that goes to to following bliss, like making sure you're doing what you love. Yep. When you start doing this work with real seriousness and intention, and it becomes important to you and you're really into it and you're like genuinely in that mode of service to others because you dig it and it makes you feel really happy, you will get attacked. I am not shitting you. Like there was one time I was walking down the hallway. It was a beautiful, sunny morning. It was a weekday. I was on my way out the door to go to my day job and something felt like a metal pipe or a baseball bat hit me in the lower back so hard that I pitched forward. I mean, this was no joke. Like this hurt physically and it, and it, and it made me fall. Um, and, and there was no trace of anything that you could see or anything like that. It was just no, physical sensation. No, wow. No. And, you know, I've had attacks. I, I would call them like demonic attacks, but I'm not sure what it was. But in my dream state where, um, you know, I'd be sleeping. And usually if I'm having a bad dream or a nightmare, I what I do is I scream and I know that will wake myself up. Yeah. This time it didn't wake me up and I was screaming this thing was like attacking me in a weird sexual way. And I was like, get off me, get off me. And all of a sudden through me came the words, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to leave me alone. My eyes opened. I sat up and I was as calm as could be. Ooh, I get chicken skin. Just tell you the story. And I knew immediately that wasn't me. Somebody was helping me because I wasn't Uh. big like Jesus fan. And I, that's, that's not a, a statement I would ever use. So, right. So you didn't become a Jesus fan after that. It was oh, just, I did, to be uh, honest. I was going to say, I mean, Jesus yeah. clearly is a powerful, uh, yes. powerful dude. Uh, Very however so. you think of him, right? Yes. I mean, he, I like Jesus because he's got a bad rap these days, but if you think about that man, he was a psychic. He was a medium. I mean, not only did he like talk to Lazarus, supposedly he raised him up from the dead. He hung out with all kinds of riffraff. Right, right. He was super generous. He was all like service to others. And he wasn't a pussy because, you know, there was that time in the temple where they were selling lots of stuff and it became like a marketplace. And he went ballistic and started turning over their tables and screaming at them to get out because they were, you know, defying the temple. Like 
he he was a cool guy. It's just yeah. too bad that now he, when you say like I love Jesus, people have like the idea that you're some uh, crazy evangelical Bible thumper. But I don't was, know. I think some people just you know maybe like you know Michael Jackson. Some people just get too famous. Yeah, that's a good that's a good analogy. <laughs> okay, that that's a, like a whole other kind of worms I just opened. Um, okay, wow. All God. right, yeah. So we're talking about like oh, protecting yourself. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. keeping your vibe up is very important. And so my guides started telling me I couldn't listen to dark music anymore. And I love Nine Inch Nails and Alice in Chains and, and all that stuff. I loved listening to that kind of music. They were like, nope, off the table now. You need to listen to, get this, Disney music and Christmas oh my, carols. You're was, fucking kidding uh, me. <laughs> no, really. I can't um, really. But I did. I started putting on Disney music. And, you know, I love that. That's a, just a so brilliant story. I was like, oh, my God, no one can know I listen to this. I was going to say, when your friends came over, what would you do? Oh, just oh, like, no, I would, it yeah, would be yeah. Nirvana. Like, OK, you know. Yeah, you're like, sorry, spirits, I need this one. But they were trying to encourage yeah. me to, like, listen to stuff that gets your vibe up. Um, yeah. They told me things that get our vibe up the most is um, being out in nature. Yeah. Um, walking outside mm. not on a treadmill but outside yes yeah. being either in the ocean or at least by the where the surf breaks the salt water is really good do you mean to actually um like get your feet wet with it or just be close to it both yeah well, i mean to get in is is really good so my sister passed christine and it was winter i didn't really want to go down to the beach and i was like can i just this is so funny. I said, can I just take a bath and put some salt in it instead? And she said, the bath to the ocean is like Zales is to Tiffany's, <laughs> which I thought was so funny. Your sister so, said this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. from beyond. She from was talking beyond, yeah. from yeah, very past about 10 years. It'll be, yeah, I think it'll be about 10 years this next month. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she comes through quite a bit. Anyway, mm. dancing which is yes. uh, something I am not good at. So, but they told me dancing is good. Just, oh, comedies, anything that makes you laugh, mm -hmm. going to see stand-up comics and, and watching comedies, um, big time, big time that gets your vibe up. Anything that makes you laugh. And those are the things that I can think of off, off the top of my head that, they, that they've told me. And exercise, oh, sleep. Sleep is another thing. They say, do not skimp on your sleep. That is huge for keeping your vibe up. In this era of like multitasking and trying to do 8,000 things at once, I feel like we tend not to sleep enough, you know, because we, it, it's like that fear of missing out on like, what's going to mm. happen? Like, well, I'm asleep, sleep, just go to sleep. Eating clean. That's another thing they tell me, you know, don't eat shitty food. Like you are what you eat and that will affect you psychically, emotionally, all of that, you know, in addition to physically. Okay. Let's just start really 101. What is a spirit? What is a guide? Okay. Um, well, a spirit is someone who has passed, who's died, as people call it, gone from the physical, crossed over, as I call it, into the spiritual plane. There are ghosts, but ghosts are people who have passed that for some reason either choose not to go, uh, they're afraid. If you have a lot of guilt and fear when you pass, you're going to take that with you and you're going to feel like 
I feel like hell is almost like a self-created thing. It's, I don't believe in hell, like fire and all that nonsense. But I think if you are not at peace with yourself, when you go, you're going to have to sort that shit out on the other side and you might be stuck for a little while. So being a ghost is more sort of purgatorial. You haven't transcended into spirit yet. Yeah. So people who are, on the other side are able to come back and forth. And for instance, I have some guys. Wait, wait, who, hold on. People who are on the other side, meaning ghosts who are on the other side or spirits? spirits. spirits. Who, who pass. I hate to okay. use the word dead because they're not dead. They just don't have the body. Is everyone who's alive now going to become a spirit? Yes. So you could potentially access pretty much infinite numbers of spirits. Yeah. Okay. I, never thought about that. I, I don't, I don't know how many are out there. I don't know how, I do believe in re- reincarnation. I don't know how long they kind of stick around on the other side doing whatever they do. I mean, supposedly it's learning. A lot of them say, you know, it's kind of like here, you don't sit around playing harps on clouds, drinking wine. You're, you know, you're bettering yourself. You're learning more. There's right. a lot of spiritual learning that goes on on the other side, supposedly. And you can choose to reincarnate here. I don't know why I'd want to. <laughs> Sounds pretty awesome over there. <laughs> right. You feel like you're done with this way of being. Oh, well, I never say never. You never know. It's yeah. What happened. Who knows? Right. Right. But if you had a choice, you'd go for the go for the clouds. I have no fear of death. I'll tell mm. you. I mean, that's one cool thing about doing this work. I was on a plane once and it started, you know, like unless the flight attendant looks kind of nervous, you're good. But when the flight attendant has a panicked look, you know, you're, you know, this plane might be in trouble. And there was, that happened, you know, and I was looking at the girls and they were freaking out. And I thought, okay, this might be it. And it's weird. Like in that moment, I noticed like I wasn't freaking out and panicked like, oh shit, oh shit, I don't want to die. I was like, all right, whatever happens, if this is it, we're good. I mean, it was weird. Like in that moment, I realized I'm okay with death. Yeah, I wouldn't have been like if I didn't. And I'm looking because I have pictures of some of my guides on the wall. If I hadn't talked to these guys all the time and, you know, heard from them firsthand, like how awesome it is over there, you know, how great they're doing. Gosh, can you tell me some more of those encouraging stories? (laughs) (laughs) I want something to look forward to. Let's see. Okay, so. Oh, here's a cool story. All right. So um, this guy started coming through. And so after the sketchy incidents with getting hit in the back and the demonic attacks in my dream, like I was very wary of like people coming through and pretending to be nice, but you know, maybe they really weren't. Mm. And so this one guy comes through and he, he said his name was Nalu, N-A-L-U, and that he was a Hawaiian warrior and he was a rigger with King Kamehameha's canoe, I guess you call it Navy, canoe warriors. Um, and I was like, yeah, right. Sure. Like this <laughs> sounded so fantastical. <laughs> and he proceeds to tell me the battle that he was in when he died and how they sailed, paddled over to the South side of Oahu and they came up through this Valley and blah, 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 like very, very detailed. And then he said he died on the Pali, which is Hawaiian for cliff. And I didn't believe really a word of it, but just for the hell of it, I Googled, you know, this battle and sure shit, there was every detail he said, and it was like completely accurate. I was blown away. 
blown away. Like, how does a how does a guy from the you know the seventeen hundreds like find me? <laughs> and it's ama- that's an amazing story. But and what was his agenda? Do you know? Did he just want to share his story, or uh, he comes through quite a bit and helps? So when I'm doing readings, different spirits will come through depending on who I'm reading and what their problem is. And if one of these spirits feels like, oh, I got this. I, I've, I've lived through that. Or I, you know, my mom like had this problem. I can help this new lady. So like, depending on who wants to come through and help that client, they'll come through. So he comes through quite a bit. My friend, Phil, he's another spirit. So we work together. I worked for the federal government at one point on Maui and that's where I met him. That's where you met Phil. Yeah, Yeah, on his motorcycle and the night. Oh, here's a crazy story. So the night I found out he was killed, I I cried myself to sleep. I was so distraught because I I really like Phil. We got along great. He was an awesome, awesome guy. So I cried myself to sleep. Oh, my God. Someone killed Phil. Like I was really upset. And then in the middle of the night, I heard audibly to my right Phil's voice saying, Jen, like kind of loud and it woke me up and it, you know, it, it frightened me. And I remember like pulling the sheet up <laughs> because he was right next to me. It sounded like he was a foot away. Uh-huh. And I know that now in hindsight, he was just trying to let me know he was cool. He's fine. He's right there. You know, he's not like pushing up daisies and gone forever. He's like flitting around, just doesn't have a body right now. You know, have you asked him what it's like now to be him? Yeah. Um, he loves it. He told me that he actually (laughs) hangs out. This is crazy. I forgot about this, that he hangs out at Maui at the Maui PD because his dad was a Maui cop, I believe, or detective or something. So he liked. this was actually right when he passed. He was saying that he still liked to visit the police department and hang out. And I said, do they, does anyone there like pick up on you or your energy? Do they have any inkling that you're there? And he said, no. Wow, you really do get to be a fly on the wall. Oh my yeah. God. I mean, oh you know, God. one thing I'll tell you, like anyone listening who's lost someone and you really miss them, here's what my guides have told me. Just think of them and they know immediately that you're thinking of them and that you need them. And I asked them once, how do you guys know that we're thinking of you? You're in a different realm. Like, so how do you know? Cause it's instant instantaneous. And they said, think of it like a jungle vine wrapped around your wrist. A jungle vine. Mm-hmm. That's the analogy they gave me. Okay. Like, so like a when, frond, like a yeah. frond of. <laughs> <laughs> when you think of us, it feels, we feel a tug. Uh, you know, uh. and of course that's just an analogy. Mm. And I asked them how, you know, I was my scientific like nerdy brain took over once. And I was like, how do you come through? How do you, how does it work? Like you're in a different dimension. And they said, we come through in vectors. And when I tried to research. Wait, 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 wait. Vectors like arrows. Is that vector uh, arrows? Google vectors. That's a whole nother rabbit hole that you will go down. And to this day, I don't understand exactly how it works, but that's what they described it as. Coming through vectors. What does that so, mean to you coming no, through vectors? Because I got books on this and tried reading it. And I don't know, it was, it, it, it was like, I don't know, physics and 
trigonometry and I don't know. It just it just didn't make any sense to my Jennifer, life. we're gonna just have to get some exponential like psychic help with our education to really pull all these threads together. I mean it's a this is an amazing world that you're living in, really. It's it's incredible this kind of intersectionality that you're experiencing of kind of past and present and future. Oh, you want to hear a cool story about a, a lady who died? Yes, I do. So I volunteer with a group called findmegroup.org, all one word. If you have someone in your life that has disappeared hiking or someone was murdered, but you can't, it's a cold case and you, they can't figure out who did it. So uh, we work with law enforcement. What happens is the guy in charge, he's based in Arizona. He'll email all of us. All of you being, it's a, it's a team of psychics. Uh, psychics, but it's also search and rescue people with, um, you know, canines. But yeah, the psychic component right. is, is a kind of a big part of it, which I, I don't feel like they shout from the rooftops, but a lot of law enforcement uses psychics. They just don't want to tell anyone about it. Wow. I don't know why, why this is still the case. I mean, it's 2021. Like, let's move on here, people. Anyway, yes. so we get an email saying, okay, this person, her name is, let's say Betsy. She died. Police want to know, uh, you know, the cause or, you know, the, the reason the person did it and why and, and who it was. And so we we take it from there and they usually will give us a, a photo and you can actually glean a lot of information off of a photo, especially you need to see the eyes. I can't do it without this if they have sunglasses on, but just staring at the photo, um, you get a lot of info. So when I was working on this lady's case, she was murdered. Well, she disappeared and they found her purse in a dumpster. And this was on Maui in 2014, I believe, around there. Um, so I was working on this case. And you, this you woman, knew that she was murdered when you started well, out? No, they, she, was, she was missing. I they see. kind of assumed, you know, mm-hmm. she, she'd been missing for a while, like at least a month at this time. So it was kind of assumed. She was gone from the physical and yeah, sure enough. So I started looking at this photo and I'm like, this lady's passed. And all of a sudden she started coming through and gave me all kinds of details. And this session with her lasted, oh, no joke, like four hours. Oh, you know, I would take little breaks, you know, to get something to drink and go to the restroom. But for four hours, this lady talked to me about what happened. She told me, her boyfriend killed her. It was an accident. They were fighting. He pushed her. She told me that he had help um, getting rid of her body. Okay. She gave me the first name of the guy who helped where he worked. It was a ranch on the south side of Maui on, in the Kalpo region. Uh, she to- Oh, I'm getting chicken skin again. She told me what they did with her body, which I will spare everyone listening because it's awful where they buried her body. And she described exactly to a T where this was. And and she told me it's near a hiking trail. There are kids who, you know, pitch tents going up the volcano behind where I am. She was in a, she told me she was in a drain. The cover of the drain was new. It was still like rust free and there were vines growing over it. And the cows were grazing by nearby and you could see, the water from 
this part of the ranch. I mean, detailed, like beyond belief. So I took all this information, I passed it on and you don't really know what happens afterwards. You just do your part and hope for the best. It turns out just last year, her, her ex or her boyfriend was extradited from California back to Maui because he was the number one suspect. Finally, I guess they had enough uh, information to arrest him. So that was kind of wild. Some people don't really care about like get, getting the murderer caught. They're more like they're on, they're off already to another place. They, mm. They're not in revenge mode. Not that she was, but I think her, her family wanted, you know, clarity on like what the hell happened to her. She just disappeared, you know, how awful. Anyway, so that's cool. Like I like doing that work, although it can be kind of depressing because most of these murder victims are women and Mm -hmm. most of them are, um, died a horrible death as you can imagine and buried very like without any grace or love or Mm -hmm. compassion, just dumped, you know, and I've, I've found, not found, but I've, you know, seen where a lot of these women are and it, it really bums me out afterwards. Like kind of, I'm, I'm tapped out. I'm like, Ooh, you know, I, I can only imagine the, the depletion. I mean, I know, cause I work with trauma through EMDR and talk therapy, but generally I'm not working with, I mean, unfortunately, there are more and more suicides now that I that seem to be entering the picture. But no. thankfully, I have not been working with murders. And yeah, I mean, that sounds extremely heavy. And I wonder what can you do to look after yourself and make peace with your self? And how do you kind of process that on a, on a spiritual level and the level of self-care? The fact that I'm helping them and I'm being of service to someone yeah. else is huge. And it sounds really like trite and like such a, you know, bullshit saying like, oh, being service to others is so like more rewarding. It I is. don't think it sounds it trite. It is. Oh my God. It is yeah. so great to help other people. It makes you feel really good. I don't know. I just try to live my life and go about my day and, you know, not be paranoid. I mean, cause when you're dealing with murders, um, you can get a little paranoid, you know, but I try to be safe and, and just you know, not let it, not take it home with you, so to speak, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. no joke. Like I, you know, I studied martial arts and, um, I, I know how to kind of defend myself. So (laughs) Jennifer, I always knew you were a badass, but this, uh, you're, you're showing me new levels right now. You're graduating. So what about other people? When people come to you for readings and you see the shadow, you see a sense of foreboding, you see something difficult. How do you approach that? Yeah. Uh, well, I try to deliver news in a pleasant way. So I don't candy coat readings. I will never bullshit people because that's a disservice. But you know, if you see something gnarly going on, like for instance, a big one that I see a lot is, um, a woman will call for a reading about her relationship and I will see immediately this guy's cheating on her. So how I'll approach that say topic is I won't say like, Oh, your husband's cheating on you. I will say, have you noticed some roadblocks in your marriage recently? Right. And she says, yes, I'll continue. Okay. 
So do you notice him being a little distant or, you know, maybe behaving differently, like suddenly going to the gym or caring about his skin routine or, you know, and I kind of like take it slow, you know, and if she'll mm. say yes, I know she's open to like where this is going, you know, and I'll kind yeah. of go in gently, but I would never just, you know, tell someone your son's a drug addict or you're right. taking on you with your right. best friend because no one wants to hear that. So, well, I, I think I've asked you to vet a couple of guys for me in the past. And I <laughs> uh, sometimes I'm like, I'm not going to ask her about this guy because I'd, I'd rather just be in denial for a little bit longer. Um, but I definitely I, I definitely remember asking you about a guy and, and you going like, yeah. And you always know when the psychic goes, yeah, yeah. Um, when they go, yeah, there might be. I think you said there might be another woman in the picture. <laughs> there might be. And I was like, it's and then tricky. my gut was like, yeah, of course. Yeah, there is. It's, that, a tricky, going on. it's a tricky yeah. thing to have to deliver news like that. So, yeah, it is. And it. I guess it's helpful if it's at the right time, isn't it? All this stuff is timing. You know, sometimes tough love is just the best thing ever. And sometimes you just need a buffer. Yeah. And, and, you know, as a psychic, I can kind of, I can kind of sense like the kind of person that can handle mm. like the truth. Yeah. You know, like Jack Nicholson would say, and other, other people, you need to be a little more fluffy and sensitive and, yeah. and you know, you can't just punch them in the nose with it. You need to be nice about it. But you can get to the truth in different ways, you know, depending on the person's personality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But never candy coat. Like uh, for psychics out there, don't ever candy coat. (laughs) It's not good. Yeah, I I appreciate that about you. Um, I respect it. Thanks. And I think it does your profession a service as well, because if you're just getting what you want to hear, then... It might be comforting in the moment, but it's not really very helpful. No. Yeah, you hang up like, oh, I love that psychic. She was so nice. Yeah. And then three weeks or four weeks or five weeks later, and the situation has not rectified itself. And then you're even more disappointed because, you know, the psychic who gave you false hope, who was so nice, ends up like causing you more pain because she right. was shitting you about the fact that, you know, Mr. Right didn't show up or your hip didn't heal or you didn't get the promotion or whatever it is. And sometimes right? people get mad at me. Like they'll say, oh, when is Mr. Right coming? And so I'll check and yeah. I get, okay, I'm getting about nine months from now. And I actually had a woman start crying on me once. Crying. Mm. Nine months. That's so <laughs> long. And like, that's when I, I'm just like, oh, sweet baby Jesus in the manger. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, I mean, you can't win here. I'm being honest, but then she's mad at me because it's not like tomorrow. I don't think nine months sounds very bad. I mean, I you could have you could have said 19 years, you know, and that might know, be something else. Like Mr. Right, I mean, for Mr. Right, you can hang in there for fucking nine months. Yes, find something else to do. I thought, like, is it me? Like, is it me? <laughs> well, no. I mean, that probably was useful for her. She probably you know, realized how radically invested she was in this thing happening and hopefully went and got some yeah. therapy. That would be my uh, desired outcome in that, in that yeah, case. Yeah, I do recommend therapy for some people because they, they clearly could benefit from talking to someone, you know? Is there anything that you'd like people to know about the psychic process that they don't know? We may have covered this, but I just want to make sure I ask you. 
Yeah. Oh, I, you know, yes. So one thing people, okay, this, this is a good thing to know if you want to get a good psychic reading from any psychic. Do not play test the psychic. We are not mind readers. We do mm-hmm. not like know how to read your thoughts. And I am guilty of this because when I, you know, back in the day, I thought like when I would go to a psychic that they knew what I was thinking. <laughs> they don't. And we, none of us do. So be clear with your problem. Just say like, Hey, look, I've been dating Johnny for five years, but my ex is circling around. I don't know what to do. Do you think like I have a chance with the ex? That's what I would love for people to do. But instead, a lot of people will be like, tell me about my relationship. Where do you see it going? Which is fine. I can do that. But it's going to take me a lot longer to circle around yeah. to the issue if you would just fucking tell me what the issue is. Yeah. So I can zoom right to that issue and ask and find out for yeah. you. Yeah, it's so interesting because I remember when I first came to see you, I tried to do that you know, that more wafty approach, you know, just trying to get a download. Uh, I can't even remember how I found you. Oh yeah. I found you online and you had amazing reviews okay. and I was like, shit, I have to try this woman. And the only exciting experience I'd had before that was more like that sort of general reading thing. So I think I went in and I was like, Hey, here I am. Hit me with it. You know, what's, what's the pictures? And you're like, but what's your question? And I, I remember we went through a few rounds of that, but like, what are you really asking? And it was kind of confronting, but it was actually helpful for me because I was like, what am I asking? Am I just trying to have like a bath in psychic fluid, you know, probably a little bit of the latter. Um, because, I mean, you know, a lot of people do that, but it's kind of, it's like the analogy of you go into a doctor's office and you're like, hi doc, I'm not going to tell you what's wrong with me. I want you to figure it out. He could figure it out. It might take him forever because you're not saying like my elbow hurts. I play tennis, but I also fell yesterday. Can you yeah. think about what's going on with my elbow exactly? And then he's like, sure. And he knows exactly what to look for and exactly yeah. what to look at. So it's yeah. the same thing with us. Like when you play test the psychic, you know, in fact, one woman did that last week and she was, she was so irritating. Like every time I would ask her, like, well, what is it? What is it? Do you, I mean, I'm not following. And she was being extremely vague. And I said, you know what? After 10 minutes, I was like, time out here. I'm going to send you back your money. I I can't connect with Mm -hmm. you. Sometimes you just can't connect with people. And that's another thing. And that would happen at the tea room. You know, if we, if a psychic would get a, a client that he or she could not connect with, the owner would just say, okay, we'll try another psychic. And sometimes mm. the other psychic will connect beautifully. Sometimes yeah. it's just the chemistry the between chemistry. the people. Sure. You know, if you, if, if a psychic can't connect with you, don't feel like they suck or you, you suck. It's just, you know, it could be like, you're just not on the same wavelength. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. You know, I, I think that's probably spot on. Now, just to clarify, you use tarot cards and pendulation. Is that pendulum. right? Yeah. Pen, what do you call it? Pendulum. The pendulum. The pendulum. Yeah. Okay. So for people that aren't familiar, a pendulum, you can use it to get yes, no answers. You can bring, anyone can do this. You can bring it to the grocery store and hold it over, say, an orange or a Red Bull. And you <laughs> ask like, is this good for me? And, you know, depending on which way it spins, 
you can get a yes or no answer. And I've tried this with different things. Like I used to love Red Bull, loved it. I mean, I know it probably wasn't that good for me, but I loved it. And one day I just tried with the pendulum and it was spinning in a huge counter counterclockwise circle, like no bad, bad, bad. So I, I got stuck. I could have told you that, Jennifer. You could have oh, just fucking asked me. I know, me. there are some <laughs> things that I just let for me. Um, so the pendulum yeah. can, can work for on, on that basic level. Uh, I've used it to discern holding it over a pregnant woman's stomach, if it's a boy or a girl. I have a board, I don't have it with me, it's in the other room, with numbers on it. And I'll hold the pendulum and it'll, and I'll say, you know, what's the likelihood that she's going to get this promotion? And it'll be like 30% or 90%. Yeah. Uh, I can use that for different things like dollar amounts. I've noticed your, your numbers are amazing. Um, I don't know if you remember what you, you predicted the sale of two houses. Cause I've been in a lot of house moving in the last few years mm-hmm. and you predicted the month the house was going to sell and very close to the actual finding final closing number, which neither of which were what I was expecting either. Talking of, you know, mind reading, you weren't reading my <laughs> mind. You were reading something else. I'm not reading anything. It's coming to me from those guys or okay. up there. Like there's so, a lot of people that want to help us. A lot of people. I, and I feel like we've got ancestors, guides, guardian angels, loved ones who have crossed. Like there's a slew of like peeps up there that are like waiting to help us. All we got to do is ask. So when I'm getting this info, it's just coming through me. So advice to the non-psychically trained person, just ask for help. Is that what it is? Yes. Suspend, suspend disbelief. Ask for help. Yeah. And trust your gut because they don't stand over your bed at three o'clock in the morning going like, go, running, you're getting fat. Like, it's not that obvious. So if I'm trying to tell you like your health is in jeopardy. You need to like take care of your health. All of a sudden things will start to happen. Like you'll be in the bookstore and there'll be a book that like is laying right at your feet that you didn't notice about like health and jogging or you'll keep seeing commercials about like running shoes or, you know what I mean? It's, or you'll hear songs and like, you know, I'm the tiger that reminds you of like Rocky and they're subtle. Right. 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 It's not bullshit. It really, really is the, you know, the way they work. It's very subtle. You know, don't write everything off as a coincidence because a lot of time it's not, it's a synchronicity. They're trying to like get through to you. I mean, I'm just in awe of the possibilities, really. Okay, I'm going to end with a big question. What's your highest aspiration as a psychic? My highest aspiration as a psychic is I I want to enlighten people that everyone can do this. It's not that hard. It just takes a lot of trust and faith. It's not a special gift. I mean, no one's going to play like Mozart, but that doesn't mean you can't take piano lessons. Try it. Thank you so much. This was a blast. Oh my goodness. This was really fun too. I loved it. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. It's rare that you talk to a psychic and wind up feeling more grounded after the experience. I was left feeling like maybe it's as simple as Jennifer says. 
Maybe we're walking around in a world chock full of spirits and information that we are largely unaware of. Jennifer's no-nonsense approach really invited me into believing just that much more in a topic that I absolutely love. Thank you for listening and join me for the next one.